I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I grew up as a Mormon. I was a fucking Mormon, man. My childhood, every year we went caroling. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I'm John R. Bray. And I'm Heather B. Armstrong. And today, being that Christmas is almost here, just a few days away, we are going to talk a little bit about the holiday and splitting the holiday and how that looks when you live across the country or when you live across town. Because it's very different in both situations and neither one is necessarily ideal it's probably the best way to put it for anyone involved really no. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being very quiet <laughs> yes well like i said very different yours is at least this year it wasn't last year but this year it's much more solo correct yeah they'll, they'll be in new york for christmas they were in new york for christmas in 2014 and that was i don't i don't like to even think about that time at all it was a really bad week. And so I'm not looking forward to them leaving on the 23rd. Yeah. They'll be gone for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will I will not see them. They'll be gone through New Year's. Wow. That's a very different holiday experience. I mean, I was alone for Thanksgiving, but Christmas is a totally different situation, I think. Yeah, this is something that you don't, something that I never thought that I would be a reality of my life is that I don't get to spend Christmas with my children or even just get to see them or spend time with them. You know, people heading into divorce. (laughs) Again, it's one of those possibilities that you might just want to file away the possibility that your ex could move across the country and this could be the reality of your life. But yeah, it's, it's not fun. It's can't say that I'm, happily preparing for their departure right yeah that makes sense and it's just unfortunate because it doesn't have to be that way i mean i think i don't know if we've talked about it in an episode but we've talked about it before for you growing up it wasn't you know gone from one parent for a week at christmas after your parents divorced right no no we i got to see my dad and my mom both on every holiday yeah which I, I mean, I know that there are certain situations that just it's really impossible, but I feel like that is the way to do it if you can. And that's coming from me, who's going to be hosting my ex and her parents. They're coming to your house? And and my dad, all at my house. Christmas morning? Yes. Okay. Well, my, my dad will be staying with me from, I don't know, the 24th through know, sometime after Christmas. Um, and then... Heather's parents and Heather will be coming over sometime Christmas morning. Nice. <laughs> It'll be cozy. Yeah. Nice. I mean, it's weird because it's 
it's workable. It's what happened last year. And it, and it's what happened last year because that's what Lexton requested. He said, I want to wake up here and I want mom to come over. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. And it was fine. It's not like it was a bad situation, but it's just, it, it always has that like lingering ug feel to it. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not the typical relaxing Christmas morning that it used to be five years ago. So before John moved across the country, and I'm just going to go ahead and keep saying that because it just needs to be said. <laughs> well, it adds a whole unique layer of complication to, I don't know, Every everything. single aspect of my life. Right. For the first couple of years, we would have Christmas morning in the home, meaning where I lived, and then they would spend Christmas afternoon with him at his condo, wherever he was living at the time. And that's what they wanted. There was a year there where we had planned on, we had planned that arrangement. I, I'll just go ahead and say it. His girlfriend got involved and I guess started talking to him and telling him, or he got it somewhere. <laughs> he got the idea somewhere that this arrangement was weird. To split the day? To split the day. It was weird. Huh. And that it, it was not okay for the kids. It's confusing for the kids and that we needed to set stricter boundaries about it. It didn't make any sense to me because, well, and then he basically said that the arrangement that my, my parents had with them being so civil with each other and my dad living down the street and stopping by whenever he wanted and everybody being pretty happy with everything, that that was the reason that I'm so fucked up. Because they were civil? Yeah, because... That's that's why. That explains... There's a book, I'm, I'm not exactly which divorce book it is, but there's a theory about how children hold out hope for the parents to get back together. And so when you don't set stricter boundaries about the fact that you're not ever going to get back together, and you, if you don't show the children the space and demonstrate, you know, it's not ever going to happen, then the children get confused and, and fucked up. And so I guess he thinks that I held out hope for my parents to get back together and that that's why I am such a fucked up individual, which is not at all like I, my brother and I would testify in front of a federal court that my parents stopped fighting when they got divorced and everyone was so much happier. And we love our step parents and are so happy for our parents that they're that they're happy. I don't know though. I mean, that's a pretty simple explanation. You spent all that money on therapy, and you could have just asked John that whole time. <laughs> I mean, I, I get I get the the idea behind that. Mm-hmm. Like I understand kind of that theory, but I think it really it doesn't have to be that way. I think there can be a lot of civility in a pretty big gray area without having that be an issue. I mean, like you said, you you were all able to see that they were happier, that things were better with them not together. Mm-hmm. And that was a good thing. It was a great thing. Like the fighting, the fighting stopped. The fighting was terrible for a few years. I mean, life was terrible. My parents were miserable. And then the divorce happened and like this weight lifted off of our family, which is... You know, I'm sure that a a psychologist could completely deconstruct all of this. I mean, divorce is always hard. I mean, and I carry a lot of scars from that time. But I will absolutely say that it was absolutely the right thing that had to happen for my mom, for my dad, and for us as kids. Like, my parents should not have remained married. It would have 
it would have destroyed all of us. Well, and I think divorce is hard, but I think it depends on the situation. I mean, it sounds like in your case, the time leading up to the divorce was the really bad part, which would have just continued had it not happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, for for some kids, I mean, in, in my situation, things were things were pretty good right up until the very last minute. So it was like the, the actual process of separating, divorcing was the bad part. Right. But it's all case by case. And yeah, and Lita um, will tell you, or she probably doesn't remember this, but when we sat the kids down or sat Lita down and told her that we were getting divorced, she said her response was, does this mean you're going to start fighting? Because the wow. trouble in our marriage was very, very hidden from her and from Marlo. But that's just what she immediately associated it with. Yeah. I think that's her divorce in her mind was associated with fighting and people not getting along. And we had not shown her that or displayed that in front of her. Huh. I mean, there's a lot that I learned. There's a lot that you like. I didn't want my kids going to bed or hiding in their room, listening to their parents screaming at each other, which is what me and my brother did. My brother and I would hide in my, my bedroom and listen to my parents just screaming at each other. And it was, it was really, it was heartbreaking and traumatizing. And I mean, to see your parents in that kind of pain, you know? Right. And then as a, as a child to wonder if you contributed. Oh yeah. Because you're all one unit, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all one family. So you're laying there thinking while they're fighting, what did I do? Did I do something? Whether it was all you or part you, there's always that thought. Well, you know, I don't remember having those thoughts, but I think that subconsciously it was going on. My my thought was, what can I do to make this better? I think it's, which is sort of a, a variation of that thought. Yes. It was, wait a minute, what can I do to make this stop? Right. Somehow, I mean, somehow you were shouldering responsibility in an area that you didn't need to be. Yeah. So I, you know, there's a lot that I, I wanted, there's a lot about my parents' divorce that I wanted to, <laughs> again, <laughs> aspiring to a certain kind of divorce. There was a lot about my parents' divorce that I learned from of what not to do and what to do. So I went into the separation with an idea in mind, and then all hell broke loose when when I knew when I found out that he was dating someone across the country because I knew I knew that he would he would move. I knew he'd move. We kind of spun off onto a good tangent, but you were saying that you had this split day situation, mm-hmm. and then another voice was given some room in the discussion and then it was no longer okay and that was in 2014 you said was the first year the well it was 2013 when when he decided that it was not okay for us to do the holiday like we were doing and then in 2014 they spent christmas in new york okay yeah and in this year i um i had planned to go I had planned to go to Costa Rica so that I wasn't a friend of mine had booked a room down there and so that I could come along. Um, you know, the room was already paid for. And so I booked a ticket to Costa Rica. And then as the, I don't know, my anxiety right now is kind of through the roof. And I had to travel to Orlando for a, a board meeting last week and, I was on the plane coming home and it was a five hour flight and I was going 
crazy. I could barely stand to sit there. Like it was just, uh, I call it the heebie-jeebies. Uh, do you know? Like just like restless in your I seat. I wanted to scratch my skin off. Like I just, I, oh, I yeah. wanted to get off that plane so badly. And so the idea of sitting on, and I don't know, I need to go to Costa Rica when I'm in a better place. I should not be going yep. there now. I don't need to be getting on a plane right now. So I canceled that. So I'll be at home for Christmas by myself. Like actually home alone. Yeah, my mom My mom wants me to come and spend it at her house, which I will probably do. I just have to figure out what I'm going to do with my dog. But yeah. Yeah. It's such a weird... And I'm only saying this because I have only experienced it once and only for five days at Thanksgiving. So, you know, you've been through more of these long periods than I have, but it's kind of this weird place to be because there was part of me that thought I need to be anywhere but home because it's weird to be home by myself on Thanksgiving. I should be with family, with people, something. And then another part, like an an equal part thought, well, no, I should be home and I should enjoy what this is and, and experience it and feel it and it should be okay. And there's no, there's no right answer. I feel like there would be difficulty in either situation, like staying home alone on Christmas, looking at it sounds really sad, Mm -hmm. but it might not be all sad. It might in some ways be worse to be around a lot of people. How, how, Yeah. It would be worse for me right right now where I am. It would be really bad for me to be in a, in a foreign country. That I could see, yes. Yeah. Where I don't speak the language. <sighs> yeah, that's probably not. Probably not a good place. But how was Thanksgiving for you, though? It was kind of a weird day. I mean, by halfway through the day, I guess, right around the time that probably most people, or at least most of the people in, in my life and family were eating, you know, two, three o'clock, I had somehow gotten myself to this mindset that it was just Thursday. I mean, I worked, I actually, I worked, I don't know, six hours on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure I ate a frozen pizza for dinner and that was it. I mean, it was, and then even I treated Friday, like it was a regular Friday and I woke up and worked and that was that. So it was helpful to get in that space at the time, but it was really weird leading up to it, like a week or two weeks out, realizing that for the first time in my entire life, I would be alone on Thanksgiving. And in part, it was my choice. There were places, I mean, I could have traveled into Wisconsin to be with family. It's not that I didn't have any options. I did kind of pick that, but I felt like because Lexton wasn't going to be with me, it would already be weird. So I kind of just wanted to go all in and make it as as strange as possible as a way of kind of adjusting to it, I guess. Kind of like a trial by fire. Yes. Yeah. But it was it was weird. I mean, it was really weird to think about it. And I think Christmas is even more weird because it's even quieter in the outside world. On Thanksgiving, I feel like there's still things happening. Mm-hmm but Christmas is less so. Yes. Yeah, I... But I I don't know. Between being alone or hosting your ex and her parents, it's kind of a toss-up. <laughs> yeah, I mean... 
I am going, I'm, I'm saving their Christmas for when they get back. So, I mean, that's the, the bright spot for them is that they kind of get two Christmases. I mean, that I had two Christmases as well. Like I'd have one at my mom's house, even though my dad would come and be with us on Christmas morning, we'd get to go to his house later that day and have Christmas there as well. So we had two Christmases. And so my kids get two Christmases and they'll come home and we'll have Christmas the first week of January. Which is nice. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's nice that you still have it. I mean, it really is just. I mean, considering what's going on, considering what's going on in the world, me, I have no, I, I can't complain about the fact that my kids are traveling across the country and I'll be alone on Christmas. I really, I mean, people are dying and are being driven out of their homes and are being slaughtered, really. I mean, what's going on in Syria is the worst humanitarian crisis of our lifetime right now. And I, I can't, me, me, me sitting here complaining about being alone on a holiday is really fucking, is really fucking rich, <laughs> you know? And not to minimize what's going on in Syria at all, because it is horrendous. But it's also, like we've talked about before, it's what's in your own personal sphere that affects you the most. I mean, it, it's hard to have them gone for that long over a holiday. Regardless of what else is happening in the world, it doesn't change that that's difficult. Yeah, and there are days, honestly, there are days where I am so, my head is so down in, try to, in trying to get my work done and then homework and then piano practice and then going to piano practice and then getting home and then getting them baths. And then I sit down at like 945 and that's like the first time that I've had to open Facebook or to open Twitter or to open anything. And I see what's gone on in the world. <laughs> and people are calling on everybody to to be more active and to do more. And I want to go and I, I'm like, how do I fucking do that during the day? <laughs> Right. You know, I, I'm like, oh, God, I got to figure out how I carve out the time to play a more activist role in these things. And it's, But I get to the end of the day at 945 and I'm like, oh, shit, what just happened today? I didn't even know because I was just I am I'm going minute by minute. Right. Like you're always 24 hours behind. Yeah. With anything outside of your own house, essentially. And that has to stop. Ah, oh, It has to stop. I have to figure out a way to make it stop. Well, there has to be a balance. Yeah. Which is easier said than done. How do how do your girls deal with being gone? Not just over Christmas, but for a week of their Christmas break. Do they look forward to being in New York for that? What is their yeah? I think what is their take on it? The, uh, I think Marlo is really excited just because it's still kind of like a Christmas treat. A Christmas tree to her is still really really exciting. You know, not that Christmas trees aren't exciting, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's unique at that age. I yeah, mean, it really is. And so. I, Alita, Alita's, Alita's okay about it. I think Lita had the the travel to Lita is a little taxing, and being away from her stuff is she's like, yeah, it's a, you know. But she's excited to see her dad, and just they spend a lot of time there, so they're excited about it. Which has to make it at least a little bit easier. Yeah. Right for you. I mean, if they were if they were dreading it or wishing they could stay, that would make it really difficult. Yeah. I was talking with somebody yesterday about Christmas decorations and she she was like, did you get yours up? And I said, I did barely. <laughs> we died. The bare minimum of my Christmas stuff is up, but I got it up. 
I remember like Christmas time as a kid for me was just, oh, it was all about the ritual of putting up the Christmas tree and all of that stuff. And my kids were kind of into putting ornaments on and then they lost interest about five minutes in and we're like, eh, this is work. <laughs> and I'm wow. like, no shit, this is work. Christmas is work as a parent, man. <laughs> That's almost all Christmas is. Like up until the very moment of Christmas morning, it's work. Yeah. And you don't realize that at all as a kid. So it's kind of a hard reality to hit. Because I was all about the ritual of getting the tree in. I mean, we always got a, a live tree. So then putting the lights on it and decorating it and all the things that we did on Christmas Eve. But then thinking of the background that my parents had to orchestrate. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I mean... And again, like we, I've talked in previous episodes about deadlines and whatnot, like, and and I know your deadlines are crazy too. Work is work is intense, and um, especially this time of year. And at the, I think it was during the Thanksgiving holiday, I had to. There was one morning that I had to I had to work about seven or eight hours, like you did. Uh, it was like the day after Thanksgiving. Kids, get on your devices. <laughs> I've got, I've right. got to right, <laughs> and uh. I had that thought. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get the Christmas tree up. Oh, God, when am I going to do that? Oh, I've got to, like, I'm going to have to drink, like, seven cups of coffee to get the Christmas tree up. Oh, man, I got to get that done. And I hopefully, you know, we'll come to a point where I don't feel that. (laughs) Or maybe that feeling never goes away as a parent. But I wonder. I don't know. I... I kind of waited <laughs> until until Lexton cornered me into getting a tree. I was like, "Yeah, no, we'll we'll get one." Mhm. Event. Yep, we'll get one sometime before Christmas. And finally, he's like, "We need to get a tree or they're all going to be gone." I'm like, "Oh. Okay. Fine. Fine. We'll rearrange the room and spend the entire day making making space for that, which is is minor. I mean, I have to say even with Lexton, he's always had a live tree. And, oh man, this, this year we got it. We got a live tree, but, but Heather bought an artificial tree and he was so, he, he was so unforgiving of that. Really? We were, we were gone somewhere and she, she set it up. I think she just set it up with lights or something so that he could decorate it. And she sent him a photo. She texted him a photo of the tree and I see him pick up his phone and he goes, what, what? what? I said, what's going on? He said, mom got a fake tree. And he takes, and it's like a photo of the whole tree. And he zooms in as much as he can on one of the fake branches. He's like, that doesn't look like a tree. (laughs) And then he just threw his phone down and that was it. I'm like, oh, well, I thought about getting a fake tree and he lost it. I mean, it was because that means so much like that one piece and I think part of it is it's been that way for his whole life. So this is like another piece of change. Right. But, oh, God, watching him zoom in on the on the one branch. Oh, man. Really? So I grew up with a fake tree. Okay. I And you have one now, a fake oh, tree? Oh, God, yes. Fuck okay. yes. I mean, we I, I, one year did I ever have one year we got a real tree. Uh-uh. No, and that was a fire hazard, man, especially in Utah. Those trees go dead fast. And if you're out of your house, I mean, you're you're just you're just waiting for a fire to happen. We got a 
a really nice uh, pre-lit Christmas tree <laughs> that I put up every year. Oh, yeah. I love real trees, but there's a lot of appeal to an artificial tree for me. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go out and get it if they're pre-lit. Oh, my God. I hate putting lights on trees so much. Right. Putting lights God, on trees. Nope. Yep. Not doing that. Some people really some people really get into it, and I really admire that. Some people are like really into the Christmas spirit, and they love to break out the Christmas music and and uh, you know, put on Christmas socks and you know, I kind of want to hire them to come over and spread the cheer. <laughs> I mean, I will admit to having a pair of Christmas socks, but they're just red and white stripes. Yeah, well, That's as Christmassy as I get. Part of this too is that as a kid, stuff sort of stuff at school s starts to wind down a couple of weeks before Christmas, you know. Oh yeah. Whereas, I don't know. As an adult, it seems to get more intense. <laughs> yeah, well, because you look at it and you lose, you know, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, you lose two days the week of Thanksgiving. You lose two or three days in December, mm -hmm. and that's hard. And you you lose those because they're filled with other things that aren't work, but the deadlines don't shift. Yeah. It's all the same. I enter in every holiday season thinking I'm going to be extra festive this year and it's going to be great. And then it's the 23rd or the 24th. I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, there's always next year. Every single year. Okay. So this year when I had that initial freak out, like, oh, God, I got to get the Christmas tree up. This is what I said to myself. and I'm pretty proud. I said, you know what? You're going to get the Christmas tree up. And if that's all you can do, that's enough. And that's it. Like, forgive forgive yourself for not putting extra candles out or an extra Santa Claus out or what, you know, a, a Santa Claus doll or whatever. You know, if you can just get the tree up, then good. That's, that's enough. And forgive yourself for, because you did that. Because I am, I'm running on empty. <laughs> I am running on empty right now. And so, so I'm sure some people will probably even suggest this to me is like I should take the time that my kids are away to recharge my batteries, which is what I plan. I plan to do that. I plan to take a couple of days off of work, like not weekend days. Um, just I'm going to take at least two days, two complete days off of work. Not try to get fifteen thousand steps on my Fitbit. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to take a break. I need to take a break. Yeah, that's good. A foreign country is one way to unwind, but I think probably not the right way this time around. But even just a four day weekend, close. Yeah, would be awesome. Would be awesome. Or even if you got the fifteen thousand steps, but it was leisurely, <laughs> rather rather than nervous pacing. It's not nervous pacing. It's, <laughs> I get up and I walk around the room just really just to stretch my legs. and Because you, you do realize like you're sitting at your desk and you realize you haven't gotten up in four hours. And when you stand up and you feel all the, bl the blood rush, you're like, this is not healthy. We were not meant to sit this way. I've had those days. And then you look and you've got like less than 2,000 steps in. Yeah. The entire day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get that. I'm going to try to take some days off and by off, I mean not working, but still parenting. Cause 
with the exception of, I don't know, Christmas weekend-ish? Because basically, so for me, which is good, I'm glad that we're able to separate things the way that we do and split days and it's, it's nice in some ways. But on Christmas Eve, Heather will take Lexton to her aunt's house and she does like a big Christmas thing, something we went to every year. Um, and something I'm invited to this year and will not be attending, but she will take him there and then I will pick him up from there on Christmas Eve night because he wants to sleep at my house. That's what he wants to do. And he wants to wake up here for Christmas. So then she'll come over Christmas and then probably take him Christmas night because I think that's what she did last year, which is kind of a lot of back and forth in two or three days, but it's a, a reasonable way to split the time. But it also means that my windows of kid free time are kind of choppy and usually filled with holiday related things. <laughs> so there's not a lot of breathing time. Holiday related things. Yes. You know, I do know carols, cookies, all that stuff. None of that happens. I've never been caroling and I, I never plan to. You've never been caroling. What? Have you been caroling? Please say yes. Are you kidding me? You, you have, haven't you? I grew up as a Mormon. I was a fucking Mormon. Man, my childhood, every year we went caroling. Never. I've never been. I've never been caroling. I don't even know if I've been in a house that has had carolers come to it, to be honest with you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Okay, so my mother was... By the way, I just want to give a shout out to my mom right now. Um, my mom is... Holy shit, my mom is has just stepped up to the plate when it comes to me and my kids and trying to 
figure this shit out. And I'm my my mouth is dirty today. Sorry. Put the E next to the put the red E next to this episode. But good God, my mom. Shout out to Linda. Thank you, mom, for everything. I'll start crying if I talk about it. But um, my mom was the choir director for thirty years. My mom has directed the choir at church forever, to the point where she was directing choirs. She was selected to direct choirs for the opening ceremonies for temples. Like when the temple opened where she lives in Draper, Utah, she led the choir that sang before the prophet spoke, that type of thing. So my mom always put together when I was a kid and growing up all the way through until I graduated and left, she put together a Christmas program with the choir every year. And it's one of my greatest memories of growing up and I'm kind of sad that my kids um, don't have it and I bet nobody does what she did my mom man so good it was a whatever Sunday before Christmas it was a whole program with like 15 different songs and then she would have soloists sing songs and then it ended with this um, duet between the choir itself and the congregation so the choir would sing this one song that accompanied Silent Night. So the congregation would sing Silent Night while the choir sang this other accompaniment over it. Wow. That's oh, pretty intense, Like, I, I have chills. I, oh, yeah. I have chills right now thinking about it. Like, every year, we would she would end it with that piece. And I was like, the church is so true. <laughs> <laughs> I love God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Like, if 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 I ever felt the spirit, that's a that's a thing that Mormons have you ever, have you heard that saying? I have, yes. Okay, if I have ever felt the spirit, I felt it during that silent night duet between the congregation and choir every year for sure. And my mom was responsible for that. Man, she was good. That's a, she still is. That's a pretty big statement. So yeah. you actually though, because of that. She organized caroling. Yeah, we would go caroling in the neighborhood. Wow, as a as a family or with the choir, as a family, okay. and then I think like as um, in Mormon in Mormondom, there are youth groups, and I and the young women's they're they're called the young women's group would go um, caroling, all of us together, in coordinated groups. That's a lot of caroling. I mean, it's the South, you know, and people are just absolutely opening their door and, you know, handing out cookies to the carolers. And it's, you know, it was, it was not only a Mormon thing, it was a Southern thing. And uh, I think my kids would, my, if I told my kids this, they would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> people singing at your door? Uh-uh, no. Well, you're probably right. I mean, I think the cultural element whether it's South or not plays just as big a role as the actual carolers. I mean, you have to have an audience that wants that, that wants people to be singing in front of their house. It's like, Earl, Earl, come here, Earl. The Mormons have come. Come here, Earl. They're going to come sing Lil Drummer Boy. <laughs> Does no one carol, though, in Salt Lake? No, no, not, not in my neighborhood. No. You could not start that. Not in my neighborhood. You should no. start that. This year? <laughs> Come on, there's still time. Listen, I got my Christmas tree up. I'm done. 
That's all I have room for in my brain left. Makes in sense. fact, I actually went I went to the grocery store the other day and there was a Santa Claus hanging around. There were a set of carolers, five of them, dressed up as people from like a Christmas carol, dressed up in that that those kinds of outfits. Oh, yeah. I love that. Walking around singing and I <laughs> I could not make eye contact with them. <laughs> I was scared to. <laughs> like I was deeply intensely scared to make eye contact with those people because i'm like are they going to engage me are they going to want me to like stand there and listen to them sing what is the protocol here and so i just put my head down and kept walking (laughs) and once you make eye contact you can't break it like that's it but what a christmasy scene though there's a santa claus just hanging around some carolers dressed up Mm mm-hmm Oh man! Yeah, I go I go grocery shopping at this place that has like it's kind of like a strip mall, and I think the strip mall hires this every year to bring people out and to get you shopping and that sort of thing. Yes, we have we have what they call roaming Santa at a shopping complex near us. I don't know why they need roaming, roaming Santa. Santa, but as in you know he's not the Santa that you can go and sit in his lap and get your picture taken. He's walking throughout the whole complex, usually with like a big decorated basket of i don't know small stuffed toys or something like that yeah the, the santa was walking around too yeah so you have a room maybe it's like, the same roaming santa maybe it is santa <laughs> I, I don't know he had the real beard and he i he actually i actually stopped with him and i got a video i got a video with him to send to marlo she was at school at the time like and, you were uh, with him in the video so. or you took a video of him I took a vi- well. I was I took a video of me, and then I s- turned the camera to him, and then I turned it back gotcha. to me. Now, did you make eye contact with him, though? I did. Okay. That was I don't a know risk. why it felt safer with him. This is still a risk, though. <laughs> I know. Why did I feel safer with a strange bearded man, white man? I don't know. Roaming Santa has that way with people. The carolers. I totally don't blame you for that, though. I would have done the same thing. It it is a cultural thing. It's um. And I've bought into the cultural thing. I mean, I grew up thinking people singing, the cheery, cheery awesomeness of that. And then I'm here in Utah now. It's like, ah, no, no, no. Please leave me. Leave me to my lonely existence. <laughs> well, I, th- I mean, I feel like you're either all in or you're all out. I mean, you put the tree up and that's where you stopped, which is fine. But you can't kind of like toe the line. You know, you have to make a decision. Do I make eye contact with the carolers or not? And you made that call. I did make that call. And I'm glad I made that call because I was in no condition to make small talk with a person with a bonnet on their head. You probably wouldn't have had to talk. You would have just had to sing. That's when they would have sort of just surrounded you. Oh, Oh, I'm just like, oh, I've got hives thinking about this right now. <laughs> Why, I've got hives. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. She had, they had bonnets on. They had bonnets on their heads. Well, this comes back. I think we've talked about avoiding confrontation, right? I mean, <laughs> it's the same way every year the Girl Scouts sell their cookies. I always buy some. I always do. But after I've made that purchase... You know, if they set up a table outside of one of the two entrances to the grocery store, I will go out of my way to go in the other entrance because I can't say no and I don't need more cookies. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I just, I can't do that. 
they look so adorable. I'm like, no, I, I already bought five boxes. Fine, I'll buy five more. But now they're setting up tables at both sides. Like you can't, you can't avoid it. Ugh. It's all the cookies or all the guilt. But at least there you get something out of it. The carolers, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if they have them in New York. Um, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting, um, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're apartment buildings in New York and nobody's going to open their door for a stranger, right? True. And it's kind of like a, in a lot of places, it's like a community door, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Maybe in some of those like Central Parky neighborhoods with the brownstones. Yeah. Mm, I still wouldn't like it. So, yeah. No. So last night, it's kind of on the, on the topic of this. Last night, Lita takes dance at school and they had a winter concert. I'll get to the sentimental part in just a second. But the dancers who all take dance, they did five dances. She was in two of them. And then the show, the quote unquote show choir sang five Christmas songs. And, (laughs) oh man, part of this critique comes from the fact that I was in chorus in high school and we were national award-winning. We were, we were the shit because our choir, our choral director, Mr. Ed Riddick was um, have you seen the movie Whiplash? I have not. About the the drummer, the the cor- the ah, God, you got to see that Wait, movie. Is it is that the one? I, with, I haven't seen it, but is that the one with um? Oh, I now I just blanked on the guy's name. The guy who's in yes. everything. He bald. Yes. He's like a really hardcore. Yes. T- okay, yes, I know. I want to see that, but I haven't. He's seen a it. hard, hard. Like it was. I, I, well, I saw it on the plane. What a surprise! <laughs> of course, I did. And I had to get up, I had to stop it several times and get up and walk around. It's so intense. And like they, ba- it feels to me like they went and did a biography of my choral director because our, my choral director was just hardcore. We were going to win every competition. We were going to play in Washington, D.C. at the Kennedy Center. We were going to do, we, we were always going to be perfect and so he practiced us into the ground and so i come from that sort of choral background to last night at lita's school and i granted they're only seventh and eighth graders but i'm trying to understand why (laughs) you would dress up a there had to have been 60 boys standing up there and they're at their most awkward stage in life just the most awkward stage ever and you've dressed them in the most awkward clothes possible what are they in? What, what and are you're they having in? them sing they're in like kind of tuxedos but they're festive oh, tuxedos God. and the closing number is a song about santa and reindeer paws oh i know that and song yeah half of the and half of them have on ski goggles oh. and half of them have on sunglasses. And like, I, it was like, it was like the, the carolers in the sense that I was like, please, I just want to leave this auditorium <laughs> because I can't handle the awkwardness. <laughs> oh my God. The awkwardness is going to like, ex- my brain is going to explode. Well, I mean, the one nice thing is that it's such an awkward age for boys that they're probably not entirely aware that it's awkward. They will be in a few years. 
on the look back in horror. <laughs> but at the time, yes. <laughs> It was so awkward. Like, I had to put the program over my face because I was like, I, I can't even look up. I can't even look up. And all of a sudden, I hear this giggle. And I look up, and there's this woman who's probably in her 80s sitting in the row in front of me, and she's just laughing. Just, like, not even hiding it? <laughs> oh, man. Not even hiding it. She's just laughing. And I just almost lost my shit. But, yeah. And then... <laughs> Oh, that could man. have been an Instagram stories. You know that? Yeah, I know. But that, that's not fair. I don't ever want to. People would turn oh, me in I is know. what they would do. Like, they're deuces taping children without their consent. But the, the sentimental part of the story is that Lita comes out and she was only in two numbers because the advanced program, which you can only be in in eighth grade, the advanced dance program does most of the dancing. But the number that the two numbers that she was in, she was prominently in like in the middle of this of the stage and there is my daughter who didn't walk until she was two years old who was in physical therapy and occupational therapy and early intervention and she had two mris and there is my daughter dancing beautiful choreography on stage and i just so before the intense laughter of the show choir, I'm sitting there just bawling my eyes out watching my child just dance away. And, it was a good uh, balance. It was a roller coaster yeah, of a, a night. You know, roller coaster of a night at middle school. I think school. it's better that you started with Lena and finished with the boys in, in ski goggles <laughs> and sunglasses because the other way around would have been pretty brutal. Yeah. So what if, if they sang, one group sang and one group danced, what did they dance to? Christmas music? I mean... They danced. They one of the songs was um, a Tori Amos song. What? Yeah. So it was kind of like so the the dance teacher, apparently, is kind of like my choral teacher. Like she was really strict and has them, you know, practice over and over and over again. And so the dancing was incredible for seventh and eighth graders. The dancing the dancing numbers were phenomenal. And then the show choir, <laughs> goggles and all, goggles. Singing a song about Santa and Paws. But a Tory song is pretty good. I mean, was it like a, a holiday theme? What what was it? That's awesome. It's called uh, Winter. Just Winter? Please tell me it's just Winter. No, it's Winter oh. something. I think it's Winter. I forgot. But as we were walking to the car and I was hugging her and telling her how proud I was. And she's like, which one did you like best? I said, I said the one to the Tori Amos song. And she goes, how did you know that was Tori Amos? And I said, oh, Lita. Oh, Lita, the library of music that I have to introduce to you. <laughs> As if, like, she just learned so, about Tori, so now it's it's new. She has no idea about little earthquakes. Right. No idea. Oh, man. Or Under the Pink. Oh, my God, I can't wait for her. I'm going to buy her Tori Amos piano music for her to play. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yes, that's a good idea. That makes me want to listen to that song. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to Tori Amos a lot. I'm going to go listen to that right after this, yeah. That's the kind of mood. That's why am I not listening to Tori Amos? <laughs> <laughs> it's time to it's time for more Radiohead and Tori Amos and the National and I need to break out all the sad. Did you do Ani DeFranco? I was never super into Ani DeFranco. I was really into Tori. Suzanne Vega. Really, really, really. I saw that. I really. So I know it's we're, we're nearing <laughs> the end, but if I need, I needed. This is my Tori Amos story. So. uh 
little earthquakes and under the pink were trans really, really played a huge role in um, my life. Um, like I listened to them in those two albums incessantly the senior year in high school and the first year in college. I think it was the summer uh, between the summer between my um, freshman year and sophomore year. She came to Memphis and played at the Orpheum Theater. And somehow I scored second row tickets and I took my friend who had introduced me to Tori. I took her and it's just Tori and the piano. That's it. It was just her and the piano. This is 1994. Oh, man. 1994. Good God. So it was the most, to this day, one of the most incredible live shows I've ever seen. Probably the best. Um and for, for all of the reasons, you know, of being such a huge fan and being within spitting distance of her. And, and as we're walking out at the end of the show, she's like, I wonder if she's going to come out the back. So me and my friend, we go and we go to the back of the theater. And there's about 20 people hanging out back there. And we wait for about 30 minutes. And then Tori Amos comes out to walk oh, to her band. On. Listen to this. Ah. She stopped and talked to every single person and hugged them and asked their names and held their hands. And then she got to me and to Rachel, my friend. And she was, and there I am. She's probably maybe like three feet tall. She's the tiniest little thing. And I'm five foot 11 and I was wearing boots. And she comes over and I looked at her and I said, I just have to say this. I think you're a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she held my hands and she looked all the way up at me because I was looking down at her. She looked up at me. She goes, are you kidding me? You're the goddess. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, oh. like, if I were to, I, I'm going to message Rachel today. Rachel, like, for months, she's like, she called you a goddess, Heather. And I'm like, I know. That's kind of an unbeatable <laughs> live show experience, though. I know. <laughs> yeah. It was good. It set the stage. Yes. Yeah. And all these years later, you get to watch your daughter dance to her. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Even if you, even if you figure in the boys in the goggles, still pretty impressive. <laughs> I said, I said, Lita, Tori Amos really shot to fame when I was in, when I was in high school. She goes, that long ago? <laughs> yep. And she remained at that point for yeah. a long time too. Yeah. I learned about her a little later than you did, but you know, Tori has to come to you when you're ready. <laughs> you got to be ready for cornflake girl when you're That's ready. Right. That's right. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, maybe get some of that music out of the way now. And then when you're alone, maybe turn that around a little bit. Cause I don't think, I don't think mm -hmm. you need Tori and the national and Radiohead alone on Christmas. That's probably a bad situation. Probably a bad yeah. idea. Yeah. Something a little more upbeat. Yeah. I don't even know. Christmas music. I don't even know. Maybe you can find those carolers. <laughs> no. No, I will stab somebody <laughs> if you make me listen to Christmas music. Not even on Christmas? No. Oh, wow. I will listen to like, I'll listen to like rock artists covering Christmas music. And I'll listen to Charlie Brown, <laughs> which is kind of suicidal music if you think about it. The Charlie Brown theme song, oh, Christmas yeah. music. It really is just sad. I don't know why. It's just like, ugh. This makes me so sad. Um, Do you ever listen to any of those remixes I, of like Bing Crosby? 
Like not remastered, yeah, but like the remixes. Good. Yeah, those are kind of a nice change of pace. Like like the the, uh, the electronic remixes yes. are good. Yeah. Yeah, those are good. As long as it's not, oh, what is that song? Santa Baby. Oh, God, I hate that song. Oh, yeah. That and Feliz Navidad. Those are the two that I can't do. Really can't. Feliz Navidad. Uh, I cannot tolerate it. I don't know why. Yeah, no. I do sing, um, and every year this happens, I sing, because my dad sang to me, the little drummer boy. I sing that to Marlo every night before she goes to bed. And still, even today, she, even at seven years old, I still sing it to her. And every year when she hears that music during Christmas, she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. My mom is singing me a Christmas music at, at night. What is she doing? <laughs> like a new discovery every time. Yeah. Wait a minute. This is a Christmas song. That means you're festive like year round, whether you want to be or not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, it's there. Celebrating the spirit exactly mm-hmm. well this will definitely be um a strange year for you not entirely because this is not the first time but it will be it'll be different it'll be different i'm going to i'm gonna wrap myself up in my family that's here who who are here and really take advantage of the fact and celebrate the fact that i have family i have my home i have there is happiness in my life and I have a job and I have electricity and I have water and really, really, really just hold on to those and have a, the best Christmas that I possibly can knowing that my children are safe and loved and are warm. Yes. Yep. And if see, I... see Heather Armstrong do's can be positive. See, it's possible this is proof right here you heard it here right here i've had a really bad fucking week and i just ended my podcast on a high note yay it's a christmas miracle all over again look at that there's like been three of them already but i would definitely like to hear you know how other people divide their time or if there's other people that are maybe completely destroying their children by remaining civil <laughs> I, know. I mean i'd love love to hear about that I can't wait to write that letter to my parents to say, you know that the reason I'm fucked up is because of the way you handled yourself so well after you split. Especially at Christmas, damn it. How dare you allow dad to be there on Christmas? Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. So you can email us uh, those stories or thoughts or, you know, crippling holiday realities to stories at manicramblings.com or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at manicramblings. And if you want to take a moment and rate us on iTunes, again, that'd be great. I'm not ever going to read it because I won't go read the reviews. I learned my lesson. (laughs) But that would be great. Yeah. And then until next time, Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 